As a performer, your body is there. Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat. Sex, work, extraction, art, theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and capital A, art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform? Tasks, acts of care, and identities. My hope is that these conversations are a means to speak between intersectionalities by anchoring through our always, already, and ever-pervasive sexualized and racialized bodies, our working bodies, our creative bodies, and our performative bodies. I hope that they contribute to dialogues which normalize sex work as work and all work as deserving of respect, healthy conditions, and a living wage. I do want to do things that make me happy, and doing queer art makes me very happy. This episode features a conversation I had with artist Amina Gimba in 2021 while we were both staying at Perfocre's International Artist Residency in Kumasi, Ghana. Amina is a visual artist and freelance graphic designer from Northeast Nigeria who specializes in simplifying everyday experiences into provocative artistic pieces using ink, spray paint, colored pencils, crowns, tie and dye, and graphic design software. I was drawing from me, or I draw from me and it's not, it's not a stereotype to me because it's my body. I don't think about my body as a stereotype. We spoke about the power of illustration to communicate across language, the possibilities for silence in our everyday communication, the joy of making queer art, and the freedom found in creating for oneself alone. My initial mentality was that art is free. I think I still think that in a way. When I do stuff for free, I am not answering to anybody, and I love it. Your questions, yeah. on the snake. So tell me, are you an artist? Yes, I am. <laughs> and and when did you come into that idea for yourself? I think I've always been. Um, I was the kid that scribbles on walls, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I also come from a very, like... The, the, the whole African thing is that, um, and especially from my parents' um, perspective, is they went through that find a good job and then you get paid and then you get pension. It's, it, it was more secure for them, so they wanted that for their kids. It's more secure, so you have to do like a professional job. But I, I actually started studying geology. Um, halfway through, I was always in the art department helping the artists draw and stuff. They had this thing where there's a course you have to have a hundred drawings by the end of the semester. Wow. So, and procrastination. <laughs> so I would help them like fill that up and I'm just like drawing, drawing, drawing. But I realized like I don't want to do, I actually had this vision. I was walking to class and I saw this girl. I heard music and I saw this girl, she was dancing, really tall, very striking, and she was painting. And I thought to myself, she's in school like I'm in school. 
why can't I do that? <laughs> now go for these lectures that I have zero interest in. So there and then I made the decision, like, I'm going to be an artist. It's whatever it is. Yeah. And so you, once you made that decision, it was kind of, it actualized in your personality. You were an artist or that you were going to be an artist? I think I've always been. Our nanny, when I was young, she left us, got married. Um, but then we met again. And then I said I was an artist and she started laughing like, she always knew. <laughs> she always, that, that's what I would do. It, it, for her, it was like no surprise. I've, I've always kind of been an artist. And what does your artistic life look like right now? Ooh. So I do stuff for money. But I like that. For me, the thing is, um, it might not be jobs that I'm personally interested in. But for me, the best part is that still, I am doing something that I know how to do and I like doing. So even if I have to do it in like context that I don't necessarily find interesting... It's also challenging because it's, there's a thing around like I, I'm an illustrator and it's about drawing. You think you can draw something until someone tells you to draw it. Say, for example, a chicken or a goat. You, th you know how a goat looks like, but then draw it. Then you start thinking that, okay, where does <laughs> the head or the eyes like, okay. <laughs> I don't like to look at things and draw. I'm usually so in my head. If I'm going to draw a goat, I'm going to look at images of goats and then switch that off and let my mind interpret it. My mind's eye, in a way, because I feel more comfortable with that. Do you feel like you can be your authentic art, artist self in all of your different jobs? I think I can. And the, the, the best part about being an illustrator for me is that I get paid to imagine and I am expected to do that. Um, I get information, which is usually in text and all that. The thing I like about illustrations are like, it's not about language. Me and you can speak something different, but when you see something, an image, we can all relate to it without language. Take, for example, you get to the airport, you landed in Ghana. Imagine they put all the signboards in tree. You wouldn't know where the bathroom is, where the... But once you see, like, the arrows, the sign for a bathroom, the sign for check-in, it's like everybody can relate to it. That's what I really like about it. So even in my work, I am paid to simplify I love that. I do a lot of infographics, and that's what infographics are about, visual. They want to communicate with a particular people, but like and Nigeria has how many languages? But you want to communicate to people, but you can't interpret it to every language. Imagine, imagine how many signboards you have to have to, to, to cater to everybody. But once you have an image like, go this way, pick up trash, you know, do this, do that. Do you feel like you've been able to bring your own flavor? Because I've seen your work and it's so distinct and it has flair. And <laughs> have you been able to bring that to 
a, a typical signboard? I think I have, and I'm still learning. Um, I know I, right now I have a style um, which people recognize, which I didn't know people had recognized. People told me, oh, I saw your work. This is you, cool. you know, kind of thing. I didn't really start out like that, but um, I think it's kind of like a handwriting. And if someone sees your handwriting, they're like, okay, I think Kate wrote that <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I keep writing so much that people can now see my handwriting. So I think that's how my style has come into. But I'm still trying to develop my ideas because I think the downside of being your head so much is that you might see something a certain way and other people don't see it. I, I work on books a lot. And when I'm arranging text, I don't like to read it. Even when you're editing, because you wrote it, it's not easy to edit because your mind reads it past. Your mind is used to it. So you don't tend to see the mistakes in it. So it's why you get another person to edit. So I, I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect between the message I am trying to send through my illustrations and how people perceive it. And I'm a person, I don't like to explain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was particularly hard for me. <laughs> I actually, I don't like to talk much. <laughs> I'm very like, I like my communication in summary. When I was younger, I used to fantasize about taking like a vow of silence for like a while so that I didn't have to talk. And did you do it? I never did. Less now because, you know, you grow up and you realize like your weaknesses and things, things that are not, not your strong point. So you work on them so yeah. that you can communicate with people. I'm very bad with words and I had problems growing up like spelling and... Even when I read stuff, sometimes I read something else. But now I, I did learn it, and so now I can. It's not something I like doing, but it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it was. So the vow of silence kind of like went away with time. To me, you seem, I admire the way that you seem to be able to make a choice about when you want to communicate and you don't communicate just because you feel like you have to. And I think that's really important because that shows that someone is like a self-determined, confident, all of those things. I was, I was considered rude more. <laughs> I don't know if I still am, but like, um, because of those things, um, I would go out like, it's not like I don't want to be out. But I also don't want to talk. So I would be out with them people and whip out my sketch pad, which I always have, like, a small one I can carry. I get so inspired by being around people, but I don't want to. I'd rather watch. Yeah. I, I like the energy. I like the thing. So, and then my mind is working. Like, I'm thinking about things. And my friends hated it. <laughs> but it's so cool. I think in some ways it's because people are jealous of that. Actually, it's ah. about doing. It's about actually enacting that sometimes that antisocial desire. Mm. I've I've walked around it now because I I I know how to keep long term friendships. It's something I've been quite good at. My oldest friend is from like um, I don't know what you call it, primary school. 
yeah. elementary. Yeah. So I have mm-hmm. friends that long, but those people get me. So I have a friend that I call her up. Hey, what's up? How far away are you day? And uh, I'm here. I'm here. So we we sit down most times in silence. But I love that she gets it. <laughs> yes, I hear. We that. sit in total like I'm just there with my sketch pad. I like the company, you know. But I, I do have friends that get that, so it's nice. But I also know that if I'm imagine when we went out and I whipped out my sketch pad and I'm just like <laughs> in the corner. So I, I learned how to not. You know, to be social. How do you feel your body as an artist or in your work, which I think it's like, from what you're telling me, it's very enmeshed, um, is sexualized or how your sexuality comes into play. But I think they're two different things. Um, I draw a lot of naked women. And I got the question, my very first presentation, the question was around like, you know, drawing naked women, naked black women, and um, how it's like kind of commercialized in a way, and how I felt about that. But it never occurred to me because I was drawing from me, or I draw from me, and it's not it's not a stereotype to me because it's my body. I don't think about my body as a stereotype, and. So I did the, the question. I, I don't even think I answered it. <laughs> I was just very why <laughs> about it. But yeah, my 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 sexuality does come into what I do, but also um, I've kind of suppressed it in the past because of where I come from and um, being queer. You know, even drawing queer things, I felt like I had to hide it in a way. Um, but when I was much younger, well, not much younger, but like in recent time, I'm being more like, fuck it. I, I didn't know also other people um, in my community. I just always felt kind of alone. And then um, I met some people, joined an NGO you know, even did some work for them, you know, and I think when you're around more people that are um, expressive and, you know, living their life even within a hostile community, you also feel like you have support. Mm-hmm. And the fantastic thing about the NGO is they, they also have like a hotline where if you're ever arrested for anything, they have paralegals, they, you know. So it made me more confident that even if someday I was stopped for or harassed for doing like queer art or stuff like that, I have people to call that will get there on time. I still remember... A friend of mine, um, we were, so I just got a call that uh, I talked to her. She said she was at a party. Whether I wanted to come, I said, no, nah, I'm at home, you know, I'm chill. Then a couple hours later, I get another call that they can't find them. And the last message they got was that police and stuff. 
So it became like a phone network. So I started calling the next before anything, like before you knew it, because of the network, we could pinpoint where they were. Wow. They got someone to start going to the police stations around that area and they were out. Just to see that network actually work, even not for me personally, just made me more confident about, you know, putting my stuff out there. And Good. That's amazing. I'm so glad. <laughs> Which NGO is this? Um, it's called Where Women's Health and Equality Rights. Yeah, it's in Nigeria. Okay. W-H-E-R. Yeah, okay. They do fantastic work. And how is the situation for queer artists in Nigeria right now? We have a law, which, you know how law works, like if it's not written outright, there are ways to bend it. So yeah. it's not illegal to be queer. It's just illegal to get married. So there are ways to like bend through it. But that's on the law side. 14 years jail sentence about marriage. But the thing is, for me, I feel like the authorities abuse it. So the police can harass you. It's more about harassment and homophobia than actually enacting the law. So you might not actually get to prison, but they can frustrate your life. That's just it. You might go to jail, not prison, but like you won't even reach the part of like going to see a lawyer and all that. But the harassment is unnecessary. And that is what they put pressure on. Even spaces like restaurants they're going to, people are not tagging those places as gay spaces. Have you experienced some of this kind of harassment? There's a, there's a class level thing to it. There's definitely a class level to it. It's, it's kind of like a corrupt government. So if you can afford it, you can get away with it. I mean, the politicians are doing only God knows what, but they get away with it because they have more money. But I'm also at, not in the class of being so harassed like that. So I might get a dirty look or a rude statement, but I've never been harassed or... Good. So you feel like you've been able to be also more vocal as a queer person, queer artist? Exactly. And how has that manifested? I mean, I saw I saw this pamphlet or brochure you'd illustrated about the different ways to have safer sex. And it seemed like you you had dildos and also mm. flesh cocks. And that was really nice to just see that side by side. It wasn't for a Nigerian company. It was for a South African company. Ah, okay. yeah. It was for a company. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a commissioned work. I'd gone for through the NGO. So they had this uh, workshop for safe sex. And the mural that I did in the NGO, they loved it. So they called me back. And I got another call because they referred me to someone else. So I'm going to do more queer work. And I'm really happy about that because I feel That's so cool. happy about doing that kind of work but it's definitely not in the Nigerian space that's so cool I mean yeah how does it feel for you when you get you start to get jobs that like speak to your identity or that like you're I love it absolutely love it I am definitely moving more towards like doing art like that but 
the downside for me is then I'm also moving away from like family because I come from a I'm a northerner Muslim background so the more I move towards that direction the more I'm estranged from my family but it, it I've decided not decided is you know when you say decided for me it's like you have good days and bad days mm-hmm. but I do want to do things that make me happy and doing queer art makes me very happy <laughs> this work I didn't even have to do a correction because I poured myself so much into it they saw it they loved it they stamped it they paid me sold now <laughs> <laughs> think about that on my bad days <laughs> are you able to be out to your family if may if I may ask mm, I am out is first I never get that out thing but been outed mm. family some of family in denial but I am pretty close to my siblings I'm really close to my siblings and if I have that I'm fine the rest of them I, I think my parents are in denial but I'm closer to my mom than my dad my mom in active denial but it's okay <laughs> I share my work but not all of it I understand who they are I don't take it personal I really don't I don't take it personal they are who they are but if we can have that middle ground where also you don't force religion on me mm-hmm. and then i have that with my mom not so much my dad but she doesn't force me and i don't force her so we're living in this nice limbo <laughs> and the last time um this was like christmas and um my lover came to visit me And, and I told her my friend is around, and she's like, "Bring your friend, come around." But for her to say that, because I felt like she knew, it's also new ground for her. I'm giving her like space to. I'm not forcing it. I'm giving her space, and it was fantastic. Yeah. It was actually good. Wow! It was great. She gave her food, you know, mama's thing. <laughs> Sweet. That's good. And so, okay, here in the residency, you're doing work that is not paid. The mural, when you're making work that's not commissioned, that it's just coming from you, does this happen often? In what kind of spaces? And how do you feel? It, it does a lot because um, I do a lot of work. I enjoy drawing. My initial mentality was that art is free. I think I still think that in a way. That's why I like murals, like... Everybody can, you don't have to go into a gallery or like you don't have to pay for it. Everybody sees it. Um, so I do work. It funds my lifestyle. That's what I always say. Like my graphic design works funds my lifestyle. So I am used to doing work that nobody pays for and I enjoy doing it. But I also do work that I work for companies and infographics and 
books and magazines and stuff that it, it's interesting. I like it. It's right. interesting, but not really like my passion. So when I get to do artwork that is just personal, sometimes I do it and then someone decides like I want to pay for it. I never, my very first painting, like I did this really large painting, which it was like wood I found on the side of the road, painted it. And two people fought over it, and they paid so much. I was shocked. <laughs> so if I do get money for my personal work, great. Um, but I work as a graphic designer freelance, and it funds stuff that I can do for free because I enjoy doing it for free. And would you describe the stuff that you do for free in, in a certain style? Can you differentiate it from your other stuff? I can because I don't have to answer to anybody. It's different when someone says, I want you to design packaging for this. I want this, 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 this is how I want it. It might not be like specific, but this is how I want the whole thing to look. Then I have to send it to them. They bring it back. You know, we go through that. But when I do stuff for free, I am not answering to anybody. And I love it. <laughs> During the artist residency at Perfocraze International in Kumasi, Amina was working on a mural on the street about picking up litter. I asked her a little bit more if there were specific topics she was able to explore more when she was working for herself. Depends on space. Like this artwork I can do, definitely that's on the street and it's more, I'm aware of like the Ghanaian um, environment. So I'm doing something more catered to, but then I also like that I'm not doing something for someone that I have to answer to. Right. But I am aware of the context of the place I'm doing the thing. Like, I can do more nudity here, you know, because it's okay. But if I was to do it outside the wall, then I have to be more conscious about the environment I'm doing it. I really did want to do something around, like, the environment. I even want to be better myself. You know when you feel like you're not doing as much as you should, then why should you be telling other people to do? But I'm not going to knock that it's not important. I feel like if I can get one person to think about, like, not throwing trash around or, like, just even picking around the environment, I want to do more of this kind of murals because I feel like in non-verbal, it's not about keep Ghana clean, but if you can show... And that's the thing around, like, language sometimes, but if you can see. And I like that kids like my work. So if I can get a kid to, like, not do that, then he's, like, the future of tomorrow. So I'm, I'm gunning for even if it's one kid. Because <laughs> it takes one person to, to get the other person to get the other person to get the other person. So. Yeah. I'm also doing something new, and it's probably why I feel so um, uncertain about it, if my message is actually passing through. I usually do like a character and then do... But now I'm trying to tell a story. I don't, I don't know if I'm successful, but I want to do more of it. So it's more experimental. Trust me, I drew it that day. I just sat in front of the wall and... 
I took my sketch. I'd really like to work like that. Not think about it. Just I trust that I know what to do. So I did this on the spot. You, you can't feel... I think life, you can't feel one emotion about one thing. It's, for example, like making coffee. There are days you make the perfect coffee, but there are days where it's too like strong, too watered down, too... But it's okay, it's still coffee and it does the job. <laughs> so it's okay that I'm feeling very... It's the first one. And I plan to... I'm learning from it already. Um, I know the things I did wrong already from the beginning. So I'm just going to... Going down the line. Find it out and do it so that... Then I can look at the wall and just do it. Mm-hmm. This, I can just do it because I've gone through the process of worrying about it, thinking about it, overthinking about it, to the point where now I can just do it. Mm-hmm. So that's, <laughs> that's where I am. Do you find that you, sometimes in the mistake, you find gold? <laughs> I like those times. Yeah. Where you feel like you fucked up everything. But then you go back and look at it like, God damn, what's that mean? <laughs> I can't believe I was so worried and in my head about. So I like mistakes are, are okay. Mm-hmm. They're very, very okay. Do you ever have the opportunity to show your work in a gallery? Is that something you desire? Yeah, definitely. I, I like seeing my stuff in people's galleries. It's uh, it's different, I think. Absolutely. From what is usually in <laughs> those kind of spaces. Illustrations and that kind of thing are usually not seen in galleries and stuff. But over time, I've realized that people do enjoy that kind of work. And I've been doing it for myself. But then I had an exhibition in um, two, actually. I did one in my studio, which was like the most fantastic experience ever. At the end of the year, I told my friend, like, I have all this art and I have this space. What if I do an exhibition? And I just put myself, my stuff out for sale. I was dancing at the end of the day. <laughs> I was so happy. It, it was such a confidence boost, I would say, okay. that I had an exhibition in, like, actually had stuff in the in a gallery and stuff. Um, didn't sell anything, but just the, just seeing it, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the process. Um, but I feel personally in my life right now, um, those kind of works require me to be stationary in, in a way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's framed, it's, you know. And I really don't want to do that right now. Um, so in terms of that, I aspire to do it. Um but right now, it's it's not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point where I want to I want to do more street art, more free art. <laughs> Maybe someone can pay me to do free art. That's 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 where that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't even want payment for. I want them to buy like my 
materials. Materials. And pay for me to travel to different locations and paint. That's the dream. Yes. <laughs> that is it. the dream. <laughs> I would honestly be fucking happy just doing free art. And so if you call it free art, it seems somehow, but like someone paying for my for this stuff because spray paint and all this thing, fucking expensive. Yeah. And then I just go around like... <laughs> I'm gonna put my my uh, energetic intentions towards that. Please do, yes. please do. <laughs> I, I, I made last thing yeah, before absolutely. we go. Um, I recently did my friend's birthday was in February, and I didn't know what to give her. I was by the beach, and I thought like it would be really cool if she was here with me, and so I did a drawing of me and her, just like a little cartoon thing of me and her by the beach. And just having like a coconut drink. And she's coming around next week. <laughs> Manifest. Yes. Yes. And then we're going to Cape Coast. <laughs> we, I told her we have to recreate that picture because we are both on like beach. Manifest. So the next thing I'm going to, I've told myself, I'm going to draw everything I want. <laughs> yeah. I am going to draw everything I want. <laughs> you just heard from Amina Gimba, graphic designer, muralist, visual artist. You can find more about her at aminagimba.com. We spoke at Perfocraze International Artist Residency in 2021 in Kumasi, Ghana. It's an artist space that is safe for queer artists and needs your help now more than ever to resist and hold its space in light of the anti-LGBTQIA law in Ghana. You can support their cause through their GoFundMe campaign. Details can be found in the show notes. I'm Mad Kate, and you've been listening to Sweat, a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body in work. The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. If you're interested in exploring more of the themes discussed in Sweat around the relationship between work, art, creativity, extractivism, theatrics, and performativity, you might consider joining Hyena's reading group called Art and Extractivism. The reading group was founded by myself and Adrian Teicher. We meet weekly in Berlin and online via Discord. The two of us decided that we wanted to engage with more critical theory in our artwork, but needed the help of others to do so through a process of slow reading. We try to take into account the fact that we are coming from outside of the academy and have all different relationships to English as we read carefully and critically together. More information can be found in the show notes. In, in Europe, for an hour's work, I think a living wage is 15 euros. And so for a 40-minute interview, I've been paying each person that I interviewed 10 euros. I'm going to pay you the equivalent of 10 euros. That I was not expecting. <laughs> okay.
It's, you know, the thing is, it's like... It makes you feel better. Well, it's, I think it's labor, and it's part of the idea that, like, art is also labor. guy that helped me get the space was saying oh he wanted to give the guy that authorized it the guy that owns the wall you know 20 cds and i thought okay yeah i could give him something and i was like i was thinking okay let me give him 50 i told the other guy to hold his money i'll give him 50 and he said i should go with him and i was just like i feel like he wouldn't collect the money just because i'm there it might be awkward and he didn't and it's around the thing of being paid like now I'm thinking about it I feel awkward about collecting money and I'll probably like the money you give me I'll give it out <laughs> good that's, that's what not. I've decided <laughs> I mean that's also I think that's part of it in some ways I think it's nice to generate um, little bits of money inside the artist community whatever, mm. whatever you know just to like pass it around
this last track is Grarex Dong Remix of Sweat. Sweat is a sound composition by me, Matt Kate, with many different contributors from Kumasi, Ghana. Sweat airs first every second Tuesday of the month at 13 hours Central European time on Collaboradio.